Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And somebody might say, well, Phil, you know, are you saying that I should tithe and not pay my mortgage? No, I'm not saying that at all. The Bible also teaches us that if we have bills to pay, we need to pay those bills. If we owe people money, we need to, we need to uh, deal with those balances. You absolutely need to, to take care of the mortgage and you take care of your utilities and you buy your food and the clothes. You should do those things. But you should also have a plan to be generous, to give back to the Lord as he has given to you. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. When it comes to money, we all have one thing in common, and that is we want to be smart with it. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers very clear principles on how we can wisely manage money and be good stewards of the resources we have been given. We will find that some of those principles will align with commonly held beliefs in the world, and some of the teachings of the Bible will be different from the world's beliefs about money. In this sermon series, we'll be examining all of the ways we can biblically be smart with our money. Please enjoy the message. So some have described the eye of a needle by meaning a wall, an entryway into a wall there where there's an opening and, and you try to go through that if you're on a camel and it's difficult to do, but it's not impossible. Or they would say, well, what Jesus was really referring to here was not a camel, but a rope. Because the Greek, these words are very similar. The, the camel in Greek is camelon, and the rope is camelon, and the difference is that E and the I, and so perhaps there was a scribal error, or perhaps the disciples just misunderstood Jesus when he was speaking and they didn't hear him appropriately. But all of those explanations are silly. Because they're just really trying to get out from the weight of the responsibility of the teaching that Jesus has here. That if you're wealthy, it is very, very, very difficult to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that is a bit of an explosion in his day and in ours. Because in this particular day, if you were wealthy, then you pleased God. You clearly had done something really significant and right in your life to have that kind of favor and blessing on you. And there's a notion of karma that that, that's true in our day today. If you just do just enough good and just enough right, then it'll come back to you one way or another. There's a uh, old movie, and many of you have seen this movie, uh, called The Sound of Music. And there's a moment in that, in that particular movie in which Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews meet one another. And when anything happens, that's good, anything happens to Julie Andrews in that movie, she just does what she does and she sings. And she, she sings a song. And they both actually sing this song. And it's really, it was probably one of the worst songs they sing in the movie. But at any rate, they sing a song. And in the song, they say this phrase. Somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. As they're, as they're celebrating meeting and, and they're about to be married, I must have done something really good to get this, to have this kind of moment. In the Bible, there, there's another story that's similar to this from a reverse standpoint. It's the story of Job. And Job was very wealthy. He was very prosperous. A lot of good things were happening to him. And then he loses everything. He loses his health, his wealth, his family. So his friends come to him, Zophar, Bildad, um, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz, they come to him and they tell him, well, clearly, clearly, Job, you've done something wrong. 
They reversed the song. They sung to him, somewhere in your youth or in your life, you must have done something bad to have this to happen to you. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, we actually did a series on it earlier this year. You can go back and listen to those messages. But, but this is the essence of it, is that Job hadn't done anything wrong. That actually that, all of that bad happened to him because God was, was proud of him. God was bragging on him. God said, haven't you considered, as he talked to Satan, my servant Job? God loved Job. And the point is, is that Job had all these bad things happen to him, not because he had done something bad, but it was actually because of how good he was. And, and so what we see there, what I'm getting at here is that in Christianity, there's nuances to it. All the other religions of the world, they'll give you pat answers. They're going to say, well, if you were good, then good things happen. If you're bad, bad things happen. Maybe there's a little bit of discrepancy, but that's the essence of it all. And what Jesus is saying here is like there's so much more to it. In fact, maybe it's not all about whether it's you have good things happen to you or bad things happen to you. Maybe there's so much more to this life than that. And there's more going on than we can even see, which is what was happening with Job. It was actually there was evil in the world. There was these spiritual forces at work that he couldn't see that were against him that caused all the problems, that caused all the challenges. And, and so we come back to our text again, and Jesus says it's really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's a 17th century Puritan named Richard Baxter who wrote about this. I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with Richard Baxter, but if you're not, I'll, I'll catch a couple of you up on that. Richard Baxter, he's a 17th century Puritan. He wrote a book called The Christian Directory, and in it he talks about how to handle temptation and how to, how to uh, maybe be, walk with the Lord as you're new to the faith. And he spends an entire chapter in the 17th century with dealing with wealth and the effects that that can actually have on people and how it can kind of lead people away from the Lord. I mean, I don't know exactly what they would have been tempted to do in the 17th century, but he writes this, he writes this. Ordinarily, riches are far more dangerous to the soul than poverty and a far greater hindrance to the apprehensions of eternal life. Christ gave us so many warnings about riches and describes the folly and danger and misery that comes from them. Humility and self-denial are always necessary for the salvation of the soul. But in this case, it's much more difficult. And so as we come back to the rich young man, Jesus recognizes this. And he's, what is the man expecting from Jesus? He's expecting a theological answer. But instead, Jesus gives him a very practical answer that deals with the theology that this man's struggling with. And he gets to the heart of the fact that his wealth was getting in the way of him really experiencing the Lord. His, the wealth was getting in the way of him experiencing the eternal life that he so desperately desired. And how would Jesus know to say that? Because he's a wonderful counselor. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, 
outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. And I know you come through. I know you come through the doors in here, and, and at times, and I completely understand it. There's this temptation to just go through the motions. You mo- go through the motions of maybe listening to half the announcements, and maybe listening or paying attention to half of the songs that are sung, and maybe listening to <laughs> hopefully half. Hopefully, you get half of what I say. But there's this wonderful counselor that's coming up beside you, and if your mind can be open or your mind can be cleared and your heart is open to what it is that he would have to say to you, he's probably speaking something into you that you need to hear. Because that's what he does. And he gets right to the heart of the matter. Which leads us into the second point here that we learned from the story, is that what truly satisfies the heart will never satisfy the world. If there's a certain value system, there's a certain uh, objective that the world has for us that we want to pursue, and then we got to understand that, the, that God, he has something different. And what the heart is longing for, often we try to fill with what the world provides us. And then you realize there's just something lacking, which is what this man experiences as he comes to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. You, I know there's something that you lack. And he's saying, what do I have to do? What's this one thing that I got to add? Jesus says, all right, let's get to it. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you'll have treasure and heaven. And then you can come follow me. And so what's Jesus saying with this right here? Is he saying that we need to go into voluntary poverty? Maybe. I mean, most guys would be quick to say, no, 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 that's not what he's saying. But maybe that is what he's saying to you. Maybe he is saying you got to get rid of it all because right now it's ruining your life. And the best thing that could happen to you is you lose it all. But that's not generally what he's saying to us. I mean, you just think about people in the Bible that Jesus interacted with. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a big money problem. He was always stealing, uh, taking some off the top as he was a tax collector. And so he's taking this money and then Jesus confronts him about it and they, have, and they have this come to Jesus moment, quite literally. And in that particular moment, Zacchaeus says, I'm giving half of it all away and I'm paying everybody back. And Jesus affirms that. He didn't tell him to give it all away, he said give away half. And then Nicodemus, who was also incredibly wealthy, Jesus doesn't even talk to Nicodemus about his wealth because his wealth wasn't the problem. But he talks to this man about it because his wealth had become an idol for him. It was controlling him. And the idol that was present in his life was, was his wealth. That's where he placed his trust. Actually, in older versions of the Bible, the King James Version, um, if, if you look at those, it'll say, you know, how hard it is uh, for those who, who trusteth in their wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Coming back to Baxter, Baxter 
that Puritan I shared with you a minute ago, he shares four signs that your wealth has become an idol for you. And this is 17th century, but it's relevant to us today. This is what he says, those four signs are. He said, if you find yourself often, often envying people who have more, then you've probably made wealth an idol for yourself. If you find yourself often worrying about money, then again, you've probably made your money an idol for yourself. Now, now we got to understand there are seasons where we know that maybe for three months, six months, or a year, it's going to be a little tight for us. But if you're constantly worrying about your money, it's probably become an idol for you. Jesus says tomorrow has enough worries of itself, worries of its own. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Focus on today because today has enough challenges all by itself. If you find yourself often drawn to or pushed away from people because of their economic status, you've probably made money an idol. And that goes both ways. It's the poor person who will, or, or somebody in some, some level of poverty or, or, or lack who judges a wealthy person or some poor person with some affluence and they say, well, they obviously, I don't have anything to do with them because they've obviously taken something that wasn't theirs. They've, they've lied or they've stolen or they've cheated or they've just had it all given to them. They haven't earned that. And they judge them for that. They don't want anything to do with them. And then if, conversely, the wealthy person might say to the person who's poor, they would say, well, obviously that person is lazy and they're irresponsible. And we, we know that that's not the case. And that's the, that's the beauty of Christianity is there's allowance for that kind of nuance. I'm going to talk about this next week. Is the grace of giving is that we, we have been given so much. Those of us that have, like you, you have been born into in a wonderful time right now. That, that gives you opportunity to have experiences that, that few others in all of history have ever had. Because you know, here I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter how hard you work. If you were born in 13th century Tibet, you were going to be poor. And you could be the hardest worker in that little farm on the side of that mountain, and you're still going to be poor. What'd you do to get all this that was given to you? Nothing. It was just grace. Me, nothing. I didn't do anything to get this. It's grace. Now, you can work from that grace and, and live for the Lord, but you don't work to the grace. We were given so much. And, and so coming back here, it's like, there's a part of us that has to recognize that whenever it's all about us and we've earned it and it's ours, it's becoming an idol. And then lastly, if you find yourself often resisting being generous, it's probably become an idol. If you find yourself in a conflict at home because of what it is one wants to give and the other doesn't want to give, there's, there's some idolatry there. If you find yourself in a place where you argue with some, maybe somebody like me or you argue with a spiritual mentor or, or some friend of yours that's maybe a little further along in the faith, if you're arguing about generosity, there's probably some idolatry that is there. And here's what's amazing about the Bible is the Bible actually gives us a test. Like these other points, they're sort of ah, little subjective. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I, you know, I kind of want a little more, but then often I don't. I don't think that, the Bible gives you a very clear test if it's, an, if it's an idol for you or not. And it's called a tithe. If you don't know what a tithe is, it's 10%. It's the number 10%. And, the, and I'll say this about that. If somebody is giving 10% of their wealth, then you can almost argue that there is a, there's a 
that you can almost argue, certainly, that they have made their wealth not an idol in their life. And I understand that tithe is an Old Testament concept and Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. I get all of that. But that doesn't take away from this sort of this standard that has been offered to us of the tithe. And I'll say this. There's maybe a couple of people who I know of who would tithe who struggled with money being a bit of an idol for them. Maybe a couple. I can tell you countless numbers of people, like literally I could not even count them. The number of people who don't tithe, and it is absolutely, their wealth is absolutely an idol. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. I'll say it again. I know maybe a few people who, who tithe and money has become an idol for them. I know countless numbers of people, countless, I can't even count them, who don't give and their money is absolutely an idol. Like everything they've got is based on what it is that they have on their bank account. And if we were to simply just ask the question, what makes you more nervous? That there isn't money in your bank account or that there isn't a God? For sure, the bank account is what they are most concerned about. It's an idol. And your emotional well-being, your stress levels, your health, it all is based upon what you think you might lose. And that's what Jesus is dealing with with this man. And somebody might say, well, Phil, you know, are you saying that I should tithe and not pay my mortgage? No, I'm not saying that at all. The Bible also teaches us that if we have bills to pay, we need to pay those bills. If we owe people money, we need to, we need to uh, deal with those balances. You absolutely need to, to take care of the mortgage and you take care of your utilities and you buy your food and the clothes. You should do those things. But you should also have a plan to be generous, to give back to the Lord as he has given to you. You could have been born in Mongolia, for, for, for goodness sake, 400 years ago. But you weren't. You were born in one of the most wealthy parts of the country, or at least you get the opportunity to live in one of the most wealthy parts of the country. 
one of the most wealthy places in our state, at the most wealthy, at the most affluent time in all of history. And we still don't feel like we have enough. And Jesus is saying to us, you know what? Maybe you need to give some stuff away and come follow me. And so, yeah, you should pay your bills and get on a plan. And maybe it's every six months or 12 months or 18 months, you start to increase at a percent or 2% or 3%. Get yourself up to that level. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like it's dictated in the New Testament. I'm just saying it's a good standard. And it's good for your heart. And all these other things that you're throwing your money at, they aren't going to satisfy the heart that is within you. The heart issue, the heart hole that's within you. And coming back to our story again, ultimately what Jesus wanted for this man and for us is said right here. Jesus looked at him and he said, yes, there's one thing you lacked. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus said, I'm going to give you me. And what does the man do? He doesn't rejoice. Instead, his face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And what Jesus was teaching him here in this moment is, is he's saying, I want to be your treasure. He said, I, I want to be enough for you. And if you can just make me enough, guess what? Everything else in the world that you're trying to make enough for yourself, it will be. And what, if, what would have happened if he gave everything? What if he would have said yes? I think, I think it would have been very similar because we've got a case study of this. Very similar to what happened between Abraham and Isaac in the Old Testament. Abraham was 100 years old, and finally the promised heir was born to him. He has this beautiful baby boy born to him, and, he na- and they, they named the boy Isaac. And Abraham loved Isaac, and Isaac no doubt controlled his schedule. He controlled how much he slept. Everything that Abraham had happening in his life revolved around Isaac and the care and the, and the love of Isaac. And then God comes to him at about the time that Isaac is 18. And he says, I want you to to sacrifice your son for me. I want you to give your son to me. He's too important to you. And Abraham could have simply just said, come on, God. Really, there's no, you've never endorsed human sacrifice. But Abraham very obediently takes Isaac to to a mountaintop lays him on some wood to sacrifice him there. And just as he's about to place the dagger into the heart, the angel of the Lord cries out, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know what Jesus probably would have said? To the man, if he, would have, if he would have said, all right, I'll go give it all away, Jesus probably would have said, you know what, don't worry about it. Just come follow me and we'll figure out what to do with your money as we go along. Just like he did right here. Because Jesus wants to be that treasure. Here's what we learn in the story. is that Jesus wants to be our righteousness because we will never be righteous before God on our own. Jesus wants to be that treasure for us Because nothing we ever get in this world will be enough. What he's teaching us is that he wants to be everything for us. And no matter what we get or what we lose or what we don't get, he just wants to be enough for each and every one of us.
here in a moment, I'm going to show a video to you of a kid who's going to be baptized in our next service, a kid who's made that profession of faith, of saying that Jesus is everything. And again, maybe that's something that you need to consider as well. And if you do, we would love to talk to you about making that profession of faith, to place your faith into Jesus' hands, to make him your everything. And again, maybe for the rest of you, maybe you need to make that step of just giving of yourself. Give back to the Lord. And we have that table set up out there in the lobby. If you want to set up a reoccurring gift, or you just want to grab those resources. We just don't want your things. Those things that you own, we don't want them to own you. Let's have a word of prayer and I'll show you this video. Father, we're so grateful for all that you have, have given us in Christ. And, and Lord, may we be ever aware of that as we consider the things in this world that we have. May your son always be enough for us, Lord. And I pray that maybe a few of us have been open to your wonderful counseling into our minds and our hearts. And we give you this in the name of Jesus. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.